You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors' sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello. hello, hello, hello. Braden Harrington here with Davey Portman for Up Next, postwrestling.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, we're even live on Twitch. We are live on Twitch right now this second. So hello, Twitch room. Yes, uh, this is a show called Best Match Ever. Yes, best match ever. We do it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash upnext, and we go into classic wrestling rivalries, stories, feuds, epic matches, and, and all sorts of stuff. And we do, we've done totally crazy different ones. Ric Flair Steamboat, Misawa Kawada, we've done some Ring of Honor ones, all sorts. There's all these shows we've done. But, um, we're kind of here for, a best match ever for an, uh, a sad reason, and that is because of the passing of Brody Lee. Absolutely, yeah. Brody Lee, someone who anyone from kind of uh, anyone who's watched wrestling for the last decade, yeah. I'd say, will be familiar with this guy. Whether it's from your independence in uh, Chikara and Dragon Gate and Ring of Honor, or knowing him as part of the Wyatt family as Luke Harper in WWE. Or most recently, anyone who's a fan of AEW and Dynamite will know him for his uh, brief but great run as Mr. Brody Lee. And obviously on uh, Boxing Day, we learned that uh, Brody Lee, uh, John Huber, very sadly and suddenly passed away. It was a, a shock to everyone. Yeah. And ever since, the, the tributes, the testimonials have all been <clears throat> pouring out for what seems to be like one of the one of the good guys in wrestling. Yeah, wrestling dad. 
Yes. They call him. Uh, yeah, it's very, very unfortunate. Uh, if you've watched wrestling in the past 10 years, like you said, you probably watched him. I know I've watched him on the indies a few times and then he showed up in WWE as Luke Harper and then he, he left. There was like, he was unhappy. He wanted to be a bit more. He, he, he bet on himself and he showed up in AEW. And I'd say for the better half of this last year in 2020, he's put on a great little career there. Great run. And then. Like you mentioned, Boxing Day at the age of 41, uh, and the family is saying a, a lung issue not related to to COVID-19, and he's passed away. And all that's taken away from us. Uh, all that's taken away from him and his family, and it's unfortunate. And thoughts and all that to the family and, and everyone. The tribute AEW did for Brody Lee was fantastic. We did a show on that uh, that we made available free for the at Patreon as well, but that it was it was touching and you could see that he he had uh touched and affected a lot of people in in such positive ways uh whether it be all the WWE wrestlers and staff like watching that tribute show and pouring their support out over Twitter and stuff and like it showed that this guy was uh, a stand-up guy absolutely yeah um for someone who has been a heel pretty much all his career yeah 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 um, yeah, yeah he seems to be completely the opposite a warm loving, helpful guy who's going to look out for everyone. Um, and what, but what a fantastic bad guy he played. Yeah. He's uh, always a bad guy. He yeah. looked, he, his look alone is like, he's huge. He's tall. He's got this big scraggly, straggly beard. And he's, he's in the Wyatt family, you know, Luke has Luke Harper. He was always like kind of that scary guy, the towel handkerchief out his back pocket, yeah. greasy shirt. I always wonder why it was greasy. Why is it always greasy? So one of the, the things I heard was from Cesaro yeah. who wrestled him a bunch. Cause they, had yeah. a bunch of matches in Chikara and in WWE <clears throat> and said one of the most angry he'd ever seen Brody Lee yeah. was when he ripped his shirt, like his wife beat it yeah. during a match. And he said he took great pride in those things because although they look dirty and smelly, they yeah. were incredibly clean. <laughs> and he'd managed to make to them, keep them look that certain way, wow. but were actually very, very clean always smelt great like and he was mad because he ripped him and he's yeah. like hey this looks like shit but wow. it's, it's my gear <laughs> that's hilarious because <laughs> yeah i always wondered I i've seen him uh, it was i took my my younger brother years ago to a like a raw house show in toronto i got free tickets through whatever and i and i and i took my brother and it was jericho versus harper in a singles match okay and i was pretty close up and my younger brother was like oh he looks like he smells and he's so dirty and i'm like i i t said that to my brother i'm like i bet that's like done on purpose yeah like, i bet he looks this way to look this way that it's working like obviously little kids are like scared of this like monster of a man that comes out and goes yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that he has passed away. We're obviously an NXT focused podcast, but if you follow us and know, we cover AEW every week and more up next to BD elite shows coming out in the future. But what hurts is watching this guy recently. Like he was a character that we talked about week to week this past year, like just one of the, the big, big characters yeah. in AEW for, for 2020. And uh, it just seems so out of nowhere. He yeah. had that fantastic dog collar match against Cody that we're going to go into. And I think a lot of us just assumed uh, 
taking a bit of time off to kind of sell the loss or maybe nursing a, a niggling injury or something like that. So it it really blindsided the whole wrestling world when that news came out. But we do do this show, as do you do. mentioned, on the Patreon called Best Match Ever, where we take... Like we've taken match stipulations before. We've looked at the best of Hell in a Cell. We've taken great rivalries and we've taken individual wrestlers to have a look at their career. And we thought, what better way could we give tribute to Brody Lee than to do our own best match ever show on him and kind of take the moment to go back and, and look back at some of these, this guy's matches. And it's, it's interesting because we, we tend to look at your, main eventers and unfortunately Brody is someone who really came into that main event scene right at the end of his career so it, it's almost kind of I, fe- I found this in a way kind of cooler going back because I, I I'm watching more hidden gems you know the tag yeah. matches in WWE <laughs> and things like that and actually being able to sort of focus more individually on a single wrestler telling a bigger story with other people and seeing what their kind of style is and their tropes are and all that kind of thing, I found really interesting and in a way quite uh quite cathartic to to go and definitely and re-experience Brody Lee, Luke Harper. There's so many things I also didn't know. Obviously he's, his name, Brody Lee, is kind of similar to Bruiser Brody. And mm. like obviously the the look, the comparison there is is obvious. But looking and doing some reading on on like his career and stuff, it's funny because he actually chose the name because of the movie Mall Rats. Yes. Uh which is which is nuts because he resembles Jason Lee. And yeah, it's interesting that without this beard, he does kind of look like this actor, Jason Lee, uh, from Mallrats and, and a few other of the, the Jay and Silent Bob movies. So I'm like, whoa, that's so crazy. But now that you have the beard and you like, I guess, kind of grew up, you look more like Bruiser Brody. So it's it's funny how that name kind of works in both ways. But it's very, very interesting kind of where he, he came from being the, the big weird looking guy uh, who who wanted to, you know, make a name for himself in wrestling and then go on forward. And he kind of left his mark in the world of wrestling. Like you said, mid, mid card people, he, he wanted to kind of go beyond that. And then he, he took that extra step and then he's only been in AEW for like not even a full year. Eight and months, something like and that. he's, yeah. he's, he's taken away the, like the sky was the limit essentially after such, such a historic year for him too. And it's just, it's very unfortunate, but it's best match ever. So you know what that means. We we gotta. What, what does it mean? We gotta talk about his best. Matches. Oh, we gotta talk about yeah, his best yeah, matches. All right, yeah. <laughs> Let's go into it. Yes. So we're gonna go back to 2008. Whoa. To start this, and we're gonna look at Brody Lee versus Claudio Castagnoli, aka Cesaro, in a steel cage match from Shikara Style and Substance, seventh of September. 2008 now these two in shikara had a load of matches oh, yeah. and this is kind of one of the feuds people really remember from Brody lee in shikara and culminating in this steel cage match never been done i believe in shikara before steel cage matches in indies Ugh. are scary terrifying anyway because they look so wobbly wobbly flimsy and it's a a dangerous match as it is i will say for 2008 shikara the crowd there was a crowd here they were Absolutely. there's people into this yeah. yeah 
And commentary is saying that there's uh, only over the top or pinfall. There's none of this climbing through the door shit that WWE do. You've got to go over the top or you've got to score a pinfall. Right. As they're making the way to the ring, Brody immediately jumps Castagnoli on the outside and is throwing him around everywhere. Uh, he throws him into the ring to kind of go in and start the match, but Castagnoli comes right back out of the cage with a tope suicida, and eventually they make their way back into the ring, and the bell rings officially starting the match. We get this big over-the-head, belly-to-belly suplex right into the cage from Brody. He's in... He then takes off one of his kind of T-shirts and starts choking Claudio with it. Hits a spear right into the cage. It's all Brody just tossing this guy around, throwing him into the cage. He does his double kind of throat thrusts, yeah, um, which look so painful. Huge chops. And then Claudio starts to come back with uppercuts of his own and eventually manages to throw Brody Lee face first into the steel cage and does his big Cesaro swing. Just the giant swing. Giant swing. It's literally a giant swing because Brody Lee is a giant. He's a big, big guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, if that wasn't impressive enough, uh, he throws him, he finishes the swing by throwing him headfirst into the cage, busting Brody Lee open and scores a two count. Brody then tries to start to climb the cage, but Claudio gets him and manages to get him up into a military press before throwing him into the cage. We hear on WWE commentary all the time how Cesaro is perhaps the pound strongest. For pound, the strongest. Being able to get a guy this size up like that is just crazy. It also almost looked like he was going to drop him because he had him up already and then you're like okay there's no way you can lift him higher than yeah. that and then he's like ah! it's like Bane lifting Batman so impressive Crazy. absolutely yeah. yeah we get a big boot from Claudio and then Brody comes back with his sit out powerbomb for a two count and Brody starts to climb Claudio chases after him and both get strung up on the top rope um, both are then on their knees just trading slaps it feels like mid kind of g1 match just trading these slaps back and forth and claudio starts to fire up there's a discus lariat from brody that's ducked and turned into a pop-up lariat from uh i'm gonna call him cesaro claudio <laughs> castagnoli here for a two count and then the referee inadvertently gets knocked down oh no we get a big back body drop from brody but claudio lands on his feet and hits a kick to the face, but uh, Bryce Remsworth is down and can't make the pin. More refs are trying to make their way in, and then Brody hits a Ricola bomb, and Bryce does a very slow count, because obviously he's he's pretty knocked out at this point. And, uh, sorry, Cesaro hits the Ricola bomb, yeah. and Brody kicks out. We then get a huge powerbomb from Brody into the cage, and then another to the mat. Really big, vicious power bombs here. But Claudio kicks out again. There's a massive big boot from Brody and another kick out. Brody then starts to climb the cage. And did you catch this guy's name? I just got this little ginger kid. Uh, <laughs> I was actually hoping you... Was it Hook? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch the guy's name. But this little ginger kid runs out, hands Brody a chain. And then Larry Sweeney runs out to take out this ginger kid 
Brody starts climbing over, waves goodbye as he's about to make his way down to the floor, but Claudio grabs him, and Claudio starts to climb over, but he stops. He looks around. He doesn't want to win by climbing out the cage. He wants to put Brody Lee away. He stands on the top of this flimsy steel cage, <laughs> jumps up with a huge spinning European lariat uppercut thing, knocking Brody Lee down, hits the Ricola bomb, one, two, three, and in 15 minutes, 48 seconds, Claudio Castagnoli pins Brody Lee. Wow, for an indie match, this is pretty crazy considering you got the cage, you got all the run-ins. Uh, rest in peace, Larry Sweeney. Um, th- this has, I kind of knew watching some of the old stuff that would be kind of hard-hitting and stuff, but when I saw Cesaro as a wrestling fan, you definitely started to salivate over wanting to watch this, and it was pretty crazy. It's definitely like a hidden gem of, of some wrestling, indie wrestling too, Shakara. But some pretty hard-hitting stuff from oh, yeah. Brody. You kind of see already, like, early on, years ago, and this is 08, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in 08, what was going on in wrestling wasn't really near here. They were way ahead of their time, I'd say, because some of the stuff they're doing this is pretty old school meets new school at the same time, which seems to be a, a pattern with Brody Lee. So uh, I quite enjoyed watching this. It was really fun and, and weird seeing Cesaro. I still can't pronounce him. Claudio Castagnoli. Castagnoli. It's I hard. Believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this. I think uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting looking at the career of a heel of this style, because obviously his main role is to be beaten right mm-hmm. by the baby face. It's so it's a lot of heat spots. It's, it's all Brody for the first part of this match, just killing this guy with these big power moves and Cesaro's a big dude as well. And the way Brody's just throwing him around the place, but allowing uh, Claudio to really whole cut for that great comeback at the end the European uppercut off the cage to finish looked great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought a really fun, hard-hitting match, considering this is 12 years old now at this point. I think things have moved on a bit from here, but it's still a really entertaining watch. It's crazy that both of these guys would not be main eventers in like Absolutely. WWE, considering they look like they could have an epic feud in, in the you, Fed. You think another, another era... Um, like when the Attitude Era happened and they had to take a chance on your Rocks and Austins and Mick Foley's and Triple H's and Undertaker's, I feel these guys could have fitted in at a time like that. But WWE is so unwilling to change the guard now, as we see with Goldberg going, <laughs> the, the excuse for Goldberg is no one else is ready. Well, no one was ready in 97, 98, but yeah. they just had to go with people and it paid off. And it's it's a real shame because that's obviously going to be this guy's detriment to his career for a, a big portion of it. Yeah, he but it doesn't be- mean that like diamonds can't shine through. Yeah, you know? definitely. And you, you already see like years ago he's hitting his signature moves like the spinning lariat, the power bombs, all that stuff. But uh, pretty pretty aggressive match here uh, for the an indie. If I was at this show, I would have loved it. I would have lost my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And I highly recommend going and watching that they had some great singles matches there as well. Yeah. Obviously um, there's a lot of history and a lot of indie stuff that it's hard to find online with Brody Lee, like mm. trying to compile a list for this show. You, everyone, we asked for some, for some people's favorite matches and people replied to us on Twitter and stuff. And, 
Some of it's some of it's hard to find, but this cage match is available. Like someone put it up on YouTube or Daily Motion or something. Yeah. So go and check it out. But um, as far as like his career in the indies go, like this is it's it's interesting to see that he kind of had a bit of a following. I know when he came here, Rochester's not far from Toronto, realistically, and he had a bit of uh, people here. He got he got heat here. I know a, a guy I used to go to like shows with. When I was like a teenager, later later teenager, he's kind of a weird guy, but um, I'm pretty sure he 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 said he hated Brody Lee because Brody Lee like was a super bad heel at the time, and he's he yelled something at Brody Lee, and Brody like chirped him back, and like he 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 to this day was like, oh, he hurt me, he chirped me back. I'm like, well, like it's I wrestling. find it so funny when people don't like a wrestler because they're a bad guy yeah, it's and like, they're well, doing their job, job well job. <laughs> yeah you're not meant to like yeah, them i think they're it's the bad guy i think it's funny but yeah uh so th- it's interesting to go back like obviously we're not going to go in super in depth on like the indie career because um we only kind of knew of him when he kind of got yeah. into the wwe and obviously a lot of people do but it there there is some of his old school matches out there oh find. yeah and we're going to talk about another right now um we're going to look at another one of well his what was your your ones. overall thoughts Do oh we, sorry we gotta, yeah. this Absolutely. is a show where we we go into some ratings mm. on this show and you know wrestling likes to be rated in stars yes um i went 3.75 for this one yeah it doesn't really crack into that four plus star territory right i think it it's hovering around like 3.5 3.75 yeah a really good solid steel cage match um but apart from the kind of uppercut at the end of the cage it doesn't quite reach that next level for me yeah that's not saying it's a bad match no it's just yeah um and it's 2008 at this point and it's an indie cage match yes but yeah i i I actually agree like a three and a half three not not quite four but still pretty fun to watch but um yeah and cage match it's at an 8.64 so very highly rated by the looks of it a lot of people have been going back and watching these matches recently there's a lot of reviews from the last couple of months nice here um, and obviously no Meltzer rating. Ah, yes, this one. indie show. Um, but let's talk about another indie match. Uh, we're going to go three years ahead to the 13th of October, 2011, to Korakuen Hall what? in Tokyo, Japan, what? Dragon Gate, Gate of Victory, and it's Brody Lee against someone else we've been talking about a lot recently, Shingo Takagi. Ah, enter the dragon, Mr. Brody Lee. I couldn't believe that this happened. I never watched it before. This is one of those matches. As soon as I was kind of flicking through the database of different Brody Lee matches, yeah. and I saw Shingo Takagi, you go, well, I've got to watch that one. Got to watch that. Uh, yeah, this is really interesting. This is a, a hidden gem, if you will. This is kind of why we designed this show around like this, because it's... It's two guys that, yeah, kind of had a good 2020, I'd say. I mean, Shingo kind of broke out realistically to like New Japan fans. If he, he was, he was in Dragon Gate for a long time. This, like you said, this match is 2011. Mm. And it's only like now that he's like 2019 become, early onwards that yeah, he's, people like you and I are more aware of him because we don't really yeah. follow Dragon Gate. And he's become like guy who's putting on show stealing matches. Absolutely. Uh, most recently Wrestle Kingdom with Joe, Co- Jeff Cobb, Joe Cobb, Jeff Cobb. Um, and now it's like kind of like a weird dream match that happened in the past mm. in 2011. So we're going to talk about it. Absolutely. And the visual here, obviously, Shingo is a funny one because you don't kind of realize it's similar to Ishii. You don't realize how small he is because he's just 
so built. Yeah. And he, he fights like a heavyweight. And, but seeing the visual of him stood next to Brody Lee here, who just towers above him. But Shingo just isn't afraid of anyone. So shoves him immediately. He makes the first move. They're in each other's face. He just shoves him back. So Brody shoves him in the face and Shingo charges back at him. But Brody stops him by putting his hand out and he's like, all right, you think you can shove me around? Let's have a test of strength. Mm. Shingo, a prideful fighter he is. He's like, all right, I'm going to do that. But obviously Brody, the bigger, the stronger man, gets Shingo down. Shingo then tries to run the ropes but can't knock the big guy down. Shingo ducks a lariat but Brody catches him with a Hurricane Rana. Yes, Brody Lee hits a Hurricane Rana on Shingo to crazy, yeah. I love, it's, what I love about Brody Lee is he looks so wild and we'll, we'll see this a lot more in the in the Wyatt's family matches. He's got his crazy beard. He's got those terrifying, dark, cold eyes. His stare. The scraggly beard. Black like a dog's eyes. And this guy does the big boots. He does the lariats. But then when he wants to, he'll hit a Hurricane Rana or a Tope Suicida. And it's just like, what? Yeah. It's so erratic. I, I love it. Uh, Brody then gets some young lines to hold down the ropes as he hits the tope <laughs> to the outside. This is crazy. He then sets up a table in the corner of the ring and sends Shingo face first into it, then hits a powerbomb through the table, but it doesn't quite break. Oh, these which, Japanese tables. They're hard. You know hard these things. Japanese That's tables. That's why you've got to jump through it like a <laughs> dick togo. Um, Shingo starts to come back with some jabs and chops. Uh, Brody goes for a choke slam, but it gets counted into a hip toss. Shingo then keeps on trying to come back, but every time Brody takes him down, they then have this great-looking chop exchange. Shingo finally catches Brody with a clothesline and a back suplex for a two-count. Shingo reverses a vertical suplex and hits one of his own, and then Brody comes back with his like half-and-half half suplex, which just looks crazy, just dumping him on his head. Yeah, so like the half Nelson, half dragon or tiger suplex. And just, again, he's so big. So he's throwing around Shingo, who might not be tall, but still big for a shorter also guy. The, the height you're coming down with this, when it's a bigger guy yeah. throwing you, just looks nasty. He then hits the discus lariat. One, two, but Takagi kicks out. We get this huge sidewalk slam and another kit kick out. Brody goes for the powerbomb, but it's counted into a Rana. The big boot gets caught by Shingo. Shingo goes to the second rope with Brody on his shoulders and hits the Death Valley driver off the second rope. But Brody kicks out. Shingo then keeps on trying to go for his pumping bombers, his lariats, but doesn't manage to knock down Brody. And then finally, we get the big boot from Brody Lee. And then... Coming back with a pumping bomber that knocks down Brody. And then Shingo Takagi picks up Brody Lee onto his shoulders for Last of the Dragon. Crazy hitting it oh. on a man this size. One, two, three. 
Shingo Takagi defeats Brody Lee in 11 minutes, one second. 11 minutes, and it feels like it had so much shit in it. That it's was just crazy. This is a hell of a sprint of Holy. a match, and it's so entertaining. Highly recommend finding this one. Again, it's someone just put it up on YouTube or whatever. There's links to it everywhere, but uh, just crazy. Um, like I mentioned, this is almost this is 10 years ago almost. Realistically, we're recording this like January 7th in 2021. Mm. This is from 2011, and Shingo is like the same. Like he's obviously older now but maybe more polished but he's doing all the same moves brody's been doing the similar moves still all these years later but yeah some of the spots like lifting him up for the, the last of the dragons like uh kind of a fisherman carry torture rack thing where you you have an arm hooked in the pump handle and then you drop him in the middle it's it's and you crazy kind of leg drop as you're yeah as you're dropping them it's nuts and he he did one off the top too and like the the some of the power bombs and it just it literally was what I was expecting from this match. What I love is they exchange styles as well. Yeah. Because um, you're looking at it and obviously we all know Shingo has his power moves, his lariats and everything. But you look at him here as the the slighter, quicker guy. But you've got Brody hitting his dives and his ranas as you've got Shingo lifting up Brody in Death Valley Drivers off the second row. Yeah. And Last of the Dragon. Um this is such a great quick match. Yeah, um, I can't. I can't recall. Like it's it's odd. I know we talked about a match last year, this twenty twenty in the G one of a, a pretty short match that like I think maybe Minoru Suzuki and Kotobushi. It's like it's not very long, but people considered it very good. Mm. This is like what eleven minutes something, and it's so fast. There's nearly no stopping in this match from front to back, and so much happens. It's like Smash Mouth style here. Uh, I'm super happy I watched this match. It's crazy to watch in two thousand. 21 10 years removed and there's there's they've moved on but they're still the same and and it pains me i wish you could see this match again because there was rumors of brody going to new japan yeah it it was one of the things he kind of wanted Wanted to to do do. i I know there was that jericho podcast where he was saying about when he was talking when he was just on the shelf not being used he was talking to hunter and hunter was going like what what do you want he was like i just want to wrestle and Triple H was like, you, do you want Japan? He's like, fuck yeah, I'd want to go to Japan. And obviously that never came about. And you don't know about this. Obviously it was a pandemic year. So we don't really know which guys, whether we'd have seen any AEW guys do the G1 yeah. or whatever. But but even before AEW, he was talking about New Japan. Absolutely. Yeah. Brody, and we would have seen this again now. I'd have loved to have seen him in a G1 or something right? like that. Or in All Japan even. Yeah. Something like that would have been great. But this was this was great. Um, I, it, it's only eleven minutes, but it's like crazy. I'd say like four stars, four point two five. It's just like I I kind of was like taken aback at like how it, I, I was all I was almost bummed out. I didn't get another ten fifteen it minutes. You wanting more? <laughs> I know it, it's a great sprint. Yeah, I I'd go I go. Yeah, probably a four. Yeah, I'm saying three point seven five a high. So I'll round it up to a four. Um, cage match. It's an at an eight point zero nine. Uh, slightly lower than the cage. I I definitely put this above yeah, the cage yeah. for me. Yeah, me too, me too. Like, just so fast and hard-hitting, and they're hitting their moves. And I, I think both of these guys' styles match really well together. Uh, and I think Shingo, the more I watch of Shingo, he becomes one of my favorite guys that's just been kind of oh, hidden. He's one of the best. He's, them. like, been hidden away for so long until now. Yeah, he needs to be, like, champ. I mean, Dra- Dragon Gate's pretty huge in Japan. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's just kind of over here, we're not as exposed to it we, we kind of follow new japan and that's kind of our yeah our take on japanese wrestling and stardom and stardom now yeah so we got to get into dragon gate then 
We do, yeah, yeah maybe. Definitely. Although Shingo's in New Japan. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but great, great match. Now let's fast forward a couple of years. Now, if you're listening to Was Next on our Patreon, mm-hmm. we have recently got to the debut of Luke Harper mm-hmm. in NXT. Um, pretty much immediately, as soon as he joined the company, he got paired with Eric Rowan and Bray Wyatt as part of the Wyatt family. And this act was the hottest thing in 2013, 2014. And it all built up these two three-man teams. We had the Shield and we had the Wyatts. Yeah, like we, little, before getting into our next match, like the Wyatts were definitely an interesting thing because, yeah, we're, we're in Was Next where we're about to be at a tag tournament and the Wyatts are in the tournament and stuff. So they're still in NXT where Bray Wyatt is like the, the, the cult leader of these. Mm-hmm. these it, it almost looks like he's from the Bayou, the Bayou. He's like, hey, I got swamp these two. Man. Yeah, the swamp people, whatever, the cult. But then like when they made their main roster debut, they were – they were pretty interesting, hot act, like you said. Like three guys, obviously Bray Wyatt, the the focus, but a lot of people, myself included, and this is years ago, but you you were looking at the matches they were having because it'd be Bray and not wrestling, and the tag team wrestle for him or whatever, and mixed in and out. But you'd watch them and go, "Okay, Bray's cool. He's got the character down pat. He does a lot of weird talking, but it works." And then you'd look at Harper and be like, "Whoa!" But that Harper guy though is pretty interesting. You. I always was like, yo, why isn't this guy like fighting The Undertaker? Why isn't this guy fighting Kane? He's there. He's as tall. He's big. I always preferred him. Yeah. I thought he was way more interesting. And we learned later on in his career that he's got a promo in him as well. But Bray Wyatt was so charismatic that it completely made sense he was the, the leader. But you were waiting for this guy to break out. Yeah, you were waiting for for him because you you saw the the wrestling and like kind of I don't want to say like aggression, but every time he had a match, you could tell who was the wrestler between him and Eric Rowan. And for I'm not sure. saying Eric Rowan's like the worst ever, but comparing them, you're like, oh, Luke Harper is someone you'd want to see because every time he got the tags or he was controlling the match, you'd be like, whoa, wait, this guy's like got flow. He understands things. He everything is a package there. And you're like, why wouldn't it? So I always thought at some point he would break out and maybe stick with it's, it sucks when you get pigeonholed like that, right? From the get go, you're telling us he's a tag team wrestler. I, I think that's one of the problems. And I don't think Vince ever saw past that because Vince would, it, it's been well documented. Vince would try and get him to do a Southern accent. He's like, I want to hear your Southern accent. And he'd be like, okay. I'm from Rochester. And he'd do one and be like, oh, that, that's not good. And he's like, yeah, I'm from New York. I'm from <laughs> Rochester. I'm not Southern. Yeah. And just couldn't, Vince clearly had this picture of who he was and wasn't able to see past that at all. But it, it's, it's interesting because then he's in the Wyatts and they had their tag run and then some runs. But then, like you said, the shield was super hot at the time. They were both on the scene at the same time. Yeah. Like we, as we said, even in NXT, we're watching Roman Reigns' debut as Luke Harper's right. making his debut. The, the shield and the Wyatts formed pretty much exactly the same time. They're getting hot on the main roster at the same time. And they did a really good job in keeping them separate for for quite a while until these two started to feud. And we're going to talk about now the 23rd of February 2014 from the Target Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Elimination Chamber. 
Now, this is... Not an Elimination Chamber match. This is not an Elimination <laughs> Chamber match. This is heading towards WrestleMania, which will be the next event, I believe. Maybe you've got... Roadblock or something. Fast Lane or something. Yeah. Well, that probably wasn't... No, I think this was the last thing yeah. before WrestleMania. I remember at the time, people going, they should make this an Elimination Chamber match. A right. two-teams yeah. kind of war game style. That'd be sick. Which would have been really cool. But these two teams only had three matches against each other. And this was the only one on pay-per-view. They then went on to have a match on Raw and a match on Main Event. Main Event. This was just when Main Event started and they had like Undertaker cut a promo on Brock on the first Main Event, I think, and stuff like that. Yeah, Met Hardy, I think. Yeah, so they were trying to get it bigger. But yeah, the Whites versus Shield, the only pay-per-view match they ever had. And this crowd are so hot for this. Um, The Wyatt's entrance, I forgot how kind of over it was with the lantern and the Um, Harper and Rowan just appearing behind Bray. It's an awesome entrance. They're in the middle of the ring, all six men just squaring off and they're milking the crowd. There are holy shit chants. There are this is awesome chants for anything's even happened. It's just the visual of these two teams. And Roman and Seth are trying to hold Dean back. Dean's the wild card. Let me at him. Let him in the, the lunatic fringe. He's so lunatic. There's let's go Wyatt's, let's go Shield chance, and then Dean is the first. He jumps Bray, and all men start brawling. The Shield cleared the ring to start, and on the outside, Bray is kind of regrouping it. It's like a like a war. It's like right, men, let's let's regroup. Let's think about this. Let's think about this before we go back in. They go back into the ring, and the bell rings. Roman and Bray start the match off. And this is where Michael Cole calls Roman the leader of the Shield, which was never really aware of being a thing at the time. I know you. This is not going to make sense to you, but um, it's like when when people the Shield didn't really have a leader. We sometimes thought it was Dean. We sometimes thought it was Seth. But then you sometimes did think it was Roman. It was interchangeable. Yeah. You couldn't. It's the same with with the Ninja Turtles. Okay. A lot of people would say Leonardo's the leader, but deep down. You all fucking know it's Raphael. Mm. You do. I'm sorry, but it's true. And that's kind of Michael. It reminded me of that when when Cole says it. I'm like, yeah, it's like we never really they they all stood their ground. They all became champions. So you can't yeah. really say who's the leader in 2021 hindsight. You'd probably say Roman was the leader, but realistically, it could have been Chris Hero. <laughs> but, like, but Roman was. All, you could look at it, and Roman was the guy that didn't say anything. Yeah, it, it would be it would be mainly Dean doing the talking, yeah. Seth saying a little bit, and. Roman almost in that just being the heavy, yeah. being the muscle guy, which isn't usually the leader. But I think here for the visual of Bray and Roman squaring off, it's let's just call him the leader. The leader. Uh, Roman and Harper have an exchange where they start trading vertical suplex attempts until Roman eventually hits one. Ambrose attacks Harper in the corner and the ref has to pull him off. And then the shield start triple teaming um Luke Harper. As Rowan distracts Ambrose, Harper comes back with a drop kick. Crazy. Again, the height of this guy hitting a drop kick before tagging in Bray Wyatt, who does his kind of freight trains in the corner. I'm not the biggest Bray Wyatt fan, but I do like kind of the speed when he does these kind of running splashes. They look like they hurt. Rowan is tagged in and does his Sergeant Slaughter like fists to the head of Dean. Uh, so Ambrose 
bites himself free. This isn't a no DQ match. This is classic, like tagging in and out rules, but it, they definitely tread the line. Yeah. And I think they tread it the right amount. It definitely. feels frantic the whole time. Uh, Harper goes for a German suplex off the top rope, but Seth lands on his feet. Really cool spot. He lands on his feet and then like goes into the next move. He just, almost. yeah, lands on his feet and knocks him immediately out the ring, followed by a suicide dive and then his springboard knee to the head back into the ring. So seamless from Seth here. Looks great. He goes for the stomp, but Harper catches him with a great looking sidewalk slam. Uh, this is when the crowd are like, all right, enough wrestling. We want tables. Yeah, I didn't, out of the whole thing watching this back, I was like, what the fuck's going on with crowds back here? Because this match is like getting into like the good territory. It's, it's not like it's dull. And then they're like, yeah, we want tables. And it's like, what's, poor, poor guys listening to I that. I think sometimes crowd. it's just, you, they sense this like, oh, this is a match where tables are going to come up. So out. we want them. So <laughs> let's pretend it's our idea. <laughs> um, Bray starts dominating, hitting this these huge Uranagis. Choke slam. Some, Even one of them is like a choke it's slam. It's more like Uranagi. a choke slam, yeah. yeah. Like the height he gets on it is crazy. Seth gets back into the match with an Enziguri to Harper before tagging in Roman. And Roman with the hot tag just goes wild on Rowan. We see this move, again, going back to talking was next, where we, we've talked about Roman in his debut before he joins the Shield. His old finisher. He hits his old finisher. He hits his old finisher, which is uh, like a back suplex lift into, into a rock bottom. Yeah. A Uranagi type thing, yeah. Look great. He also just throws Harper out the ring and comes back with a drive-by to Rowan uh, seamlessly. Looks great. Uh, Ambrose then just jumps in and is going wild. Harper hits a Tope Suicida to Ambrose. There's Rollins with the Tope Con Hilo to Harper. Double clotheslines from Roman and Roman to each other. This is fantastic. The whole match is just breaking down. It's yeah. wild. It's pandemonium. I can't even speak. Exactly. It's so good. Pandemonium. Uh, Seth clears the announce table, but Wyatt stops him. And then Wyatt and Harper try to shield bomb Rollins through the table. But Ambrose jumps in and just goes brawling into the crowd with Bray. And that's the last we see of <laughs> Dean. <laughs> he just disappears. Disappears. Um, I, th I say, I've got in my notes here, this might be some of the best work Eric Rowan's done here. For sure. I think he's, everyone's great in this match. Um, the Wyatts then shield bomb Seth through the table. Wyatt surround Roman, like, shield side, yeah. style, just surrounding the ring and destroy him before tagging Bray back in. Bray goes for the sister Abigail. He sets it up with the kiss, but Rain starts powering out and hits a big Samoan drop. He hits the Superman to punch to Rowan and Bray and then hits the spear to Harper, but Bray gets back up Catches him with the sister Abigail, and in 22 minutes, 42 seconds, the Sh Wyatts beat the Shield. Oh, wow. The, the, the Wyatt family reigns supreme in the world of groups and factions and stables in 2014. Yeah, this is crazy. I've only watched it once before, and that was live. And I remember really liking it Me then. Too. I remember being like, whoa, that was like banging that the fact that all six of these guys were on point for this match and going back now years removed it's interesting to see where everyone kind of landed and what's going on in the landscape of wrestling but watching it back it still delivered it had everything like i said the only thing i hated was that crowd being like yo we want tables you fucking got your table spot yeah, and it was patient. A, and it was a banging table spot but yeah this this is still like 
I think the, 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 the theme of, of this show is how many sleeper hits Brody Lee actually had because he had some crazy matches and he, he, you think of this guy who was stuck in the mid card. This is technically a mid card match. This could have been the main event. I, I think going back to 2014, this would have been on my short list. Yeah. For match of the year. Uh, it's just chaotic and everyone in the match offers something completely different. I, I wasn't a big fan of Dean Ambrose in WWE. Whatever happened to that guy? Yeah. But in the shield, it worked because you had just Roman as this powerhouse. You had Seth hitting the, the topes and Dean is just the wild card who even right Flying at the beginning, around. they're like, right, let's hold this off. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going in. I'm fighting. Yeah. And same with the Wyatts. They're all offering something different to it. I think everyone plays their part so well in this match. Um, Brody, Luke Harper, playing his part fantastically with his dives. Yeah. I think that's when it's actually his Tope Suicida that elevates the match because I don't think a lot of people were expecting it from this guy. Yeah. If you've seen his indie work, sure, you know what he can do. But suddenly it's this big dude diving through the ropes and everyone's going, what? Yeah. Um, uh, if I was any of these six guys after this match going back to the curtain, I would have been proud of this match. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I thought the crowd were applauding all of them afterwards. It felt like a good team versus team. And it's it's something in WWE, you always joked around this era like, lol, new stars. They made them here. They mm, made them. And, they, and then you kind of see what they did with the stars later. But they made them here. I, I, I think watching this back, it was something kind of special. I know they had – you said they had two other matches. So they had a, a match – Two weeks later on Raw. So yeah. the story was uh, Dean Ambrose, after going off in the crowd, never came back. <laughs> and the Shield are like, yo, yo, Dean, what happened? And they had this match on Raw where they kind of were questioning Dean. And it's actually interesting because the main beef is between Roman and Dean. And I think we all remember the feud as mainly Seth and Dean. Yeah. And Seth, during the match, walks out. He goes, oh. you guys figure it out. You need to get on the same yeah, page. Yeah, okay. And he walks out and the Wyatts win again. Right. And that match, Meltzer actually graded higher than this one. I prefer this one. I prefer this one. I watched them both back last night. Um, I gave this a 4.5. Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Even maybe a little notch up, honestly, uh, because I went into this kind of going, oh, I got to watch some WWE shit, whatever. And because some of these best match ever shows, we get to watch some classic wrestling and mm. What what a hard job watching some good classic wrestling that is, right? But sometimes I go, oh, we got to watch some WWE stuff. I think we stuff. forget that there are actually There's gems in the last decade of yeah. WWE. I think we tend to go pre-2010 to yeah. look at some good stuff. But there's some great stuff I, I, in the I really, last 10 years. I, I got into this match, especially when like it kind of halfway through it just goes chaotic and for yeah. the next 10 minutes the whole sprint forward but all guys played their part perfectly so you're going 4.75 yeah fuck it why not like yeah i i wouldn't argue with you there yeah. Meltzer went at 4.25 cage match and 9.31 now i know i've told you this story before okay um but i went to wrestlemania that year just just about a month after this pay-per-view okay new orleans um wrestlemania 30 and there's a bar there called Razoo's. Okay. And I'm outside in the, in the like drinking area outside the garden. Isn't it everywhere a drinking area? Pretty much. <laughs> um, I've been drinking pretty much all day. Yeah. And I'm with this guy, this Australian guy I met at the hostel. Doesn't like wrestling. We're there pretty early in the week. It's before a lot of the wrestling fans have gone in, uh, got into town. And he's like, don't get wrestling. Think it's shit. 
it's fake, all this. Yeah. Um, and we're outside and I kind of just turn around and bump and I go, oh shit, it's Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, drunk, so I'm like, you're right, Bray. And he's like, yeah, man, clearly been drinking a lot <laughs> as well. And then I look up and you go, oh, you're right, Drew. He's next to Drew McIntyre. And they're like, oh, you're right, guys. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, so rude of me. Chris, this is Bray, Bray, Chris, Chris, Drew, Drew, Chris. And they're like, all right. And I go, so, WrestleMania, you excited? And Bray's like, yeah. It's like, what do you mean, yeah? It's your first WrestleMania. You're against John Cena. That's pretty cool. He knew he was booked to lose. Maybe. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. It's like, Bray, you, you don't seem too excited. Bray hates you. It's <laughs> You're facing John Cena at your first WrestleMania. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, congratulations. That's that's awesome. And he went, yeah, it should be Shield versus Wyatt, though, shouldn't it? Oh. And I went, yeah. And, and I kind of do think we were robbed of more matches yeah. between these two. Yeah, you're right. We He's had, right. We had the Elimination Chamber one. We had one on Raw, but again, that was more story-based with like the shield and then we had one on main event that no one watched uh, i think they could have got another pay-per-view shield evolution got two pay-per-views out of it yeah yeah and they were both great yeah i think this would have been way more wrestlemania worthy than what was it shield versus new age outlaws and kane right come on i thought you were going a totally different direction with the story like bray wyatt was i don't know talking to some girls or something no, he was, he was, he was, he didn't want photos. He was like, dude, I've been drinking. He went, WWE's a PG company now. We can't have this going out. I was like, uh, fair enough, Bray. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about you meeting Kyrie at a bar or oh, Al, Al Snow. Snow. Yeah. Okay. You understand what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's a very funny story. And you know what? Looking in hindsight, he, Bray Wyatt should have been booking WrestleMania at that point. I, I think it would have, I think it would have helped all of those guys way more than the Cena match did. In hindsight. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. And I think, uh, people would look back at that as like, that could have been a WrestleMania, like, like you banger. feel, you look at it, there should have been, I mean, I think an Elimination Chamber match would have been really cool. Uh, but a TLC match, something, like some kind of more, you already had the madness in this six man, some kind of gimmick match, I think would have been crazy. Yeah, I'm looking at WrestleMania 30, like the actual card, and it's the Shield versus Kane and the New New, New Age, Age Outlaws. Outlaws. Yeah, wow. And then wow. Harper and Rowan just accompany. Um, yeah, Bray. Interesting. And th- that match is super short because I went to the toilet during like yeah. during the entrances. I would have, and too. they even skipped the entrances and just did the Shield bomb. That's unfortunate. And I think Billy Gunn got internal bleeding from that match. I <sighs> seem to remember. He's an ass man. But let's go to another tag team match. The Usos, who around this time were starting... They, they seem to have been in the company for a while and were just jobbers, essentially. And then started to get a bit of a push. And they were feuding with the Shield. And I remember people going, how can I buy the Usos? The Usos against the Shield. Come on. And then the Usos started putting on some really great matches really started to prove themselves. And they had this great little run of matches against Luke Harper and Eric Rowan from the Wyatt family. And I remember they had an absolute banger of a match on one of the pre-shows, which people went... Yeah. I think it was the match of the night, was the pre-show match. It was, yeah. I don't remember when that was, but I it's true. I can't quite remember which pay-per-view it was, but it then led to them having a tag team title match at 
Battleground 2014. So a very like sea level pay-per-view. Uh, 20th of July 2014, Tampa Bay Times Forum in Tampa. And it's a two out of three falls match. And this match is is fantastic. This yeah. is such a great match. Clearly, Br- Brody Lee and or Luke Harper and Eric Rowan like kind of did establish themselves as a pretty good tag team. And again, when I would watch them, I'd be like, oh man, they're great. But I totally would want to see Luke Harper kind of break off into like a singles guy. And he still, he still had some crazy tag team matches. And this is definitely one of them. This put, definitely put the Usos on the map. Absolutely. You've got the Usos using their speed early to send Rowan and Harper to the outside. And they do the, the regrouping like we saw in the shield match. Um, Harper looks a bit shaken here. And his eyes are just so scary. He's kind of trying to shake off and get back into it. I think you realize looking at his character work, especially when you're hearing all these stories about just how funny a guy he is, how lovable he is, what a great dad he is. You realize what a fantastic character actor he is. Because he just looks so scary and wild and cold and crazy. Menacing. Absolutely. Jimmy gets tagged in and Harper takes his head off with a big boot for the first fall. So it's 1-0 to If this was just Wyatt. a regular match, it would have been over already. It would have been the, over Isn't already. that the funny thing in wrestling with two, two out of three falls? You're like, you know what? I don't need to kick out of this one. And I remember hearing in uh, Justin Roberts' book, because yeah. Justin Roberts is calling this, and when he's saying about how Vince just criticizing and being in the ear all the time... It's the heels getting the first fall. Yeah. So you watch it, and Justin Roberts goes, the winner of the first fall, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan. And sounds kind of like... Upset. Upset and somber about it, because the heels got the first fall. Apparently Vince just lost his mind, and was like, fuck's sake, Justin, what? Like, put something in it, and he's like, all right, okay. So we carry on, just bear that in mind. Okay, okay. Harper starts grinding down Jimmy for a while before making the tag to Jay who surprises with just a quick roll-up to Harper. The winner of the second fall! <laughs> the Usos! <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Didn't even... it's, it's in his book. I think I heard it oh in one of the podcasts God. as well. Very, very funny. So it's one fall apiece. Again, would have just won with a, a roll-up here. Yeah. But this is where the match really kicks into second gear. Jay hangs Luke up on the top rope and is able to tag uh, Jimmy back in. There's then this plancher to Luke Harper, a plancher to Rowan. Jimmy starts running along the barricade to take out Rowan, which looked really cool. We've got an Uso splash for a two count on Harper. The hip attack in the corner, shades of Umaga Rikishi, Mm -hmm. but Harper manages to take Uso down. He goes for a powerbomb to Jimmy, but he slips out and hits the whisper in the wind. We then get this fantastic looking suicide dive from Harper. Harper is now in the ropes, but gets smacked by Jay on the outside. Jimmy rolls up Harper for a near fall. Harper comes back with a set out powerbomb for a two. Rowan now climbs the top rope to go for a splash, but Jimmy moves out of the way. No water in the pool. Harper then climbs to the top rope, but gets knocked off. Jay hits the Uso splash. No one kicks out the Uso splash. But you know who does? Eric Rowan kicks out. The Usos then tag and both are fighting Rowan on the top rope. But Rowan superplexes them both off. Very impressive. The Wyatts then go for their double finish. It's like a, a kind of double 
Chokeslam. Bonsoir. Yeah. I don't even know. Um, but the Usos uh, slip out and Jimmy hits a super kick. Uh, Harper comes back with a super kick of his own, followed by the discus lariat. But the fall is broken up. We then get a super kick from Jimmy. The Usos hit their double super kick to Harper. A double super kick to Rowan. Both Usos climb to the top rope and hit their double splash. One, two, three. And in 13 minutes, 53 seconds, the Usos win 2-1. Wow. The Usos. Us. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh, what a, like, banging tag team match. Um, I know in this era, you think of, like, your Young Bucks and your... I, AEW just stacked of tag team wrestling, but I feel like there was some pockets of WWE that had some great tag teams. We're talking about the Shield, we're talking about the Usos. You talk about Eric Rowan and and Luke Harper. I think this is a really actually underrated era of tag wrestling because this is around the same time when um, Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes, Goldust, were a thing, and yeah. they had that great match against the Shield as well. I yep. think I think you had a bit of a resurgence here of four teams who are. Putting on some really good stuff on the undercard. Yeah, exactly. That around that time, you had so many like kind of tag teams that were meshing really well, but it seems to be the same characters in there that clearly were delivering here. Uh, it doing this kind of shows you that like some of these matches that were in the middle of the card, tag team matches that you maybe you weren't really hyped on, would end up maybe stealing the show. Absolutely, so, uh, it's 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 crazy. I think this match would have been better if it was just one fall to a finish. Yeah, um, the match really doesn't get going until that third fall, and as you said, it's it's a big boot which looks pretty devastating from Luke Harper, but it's a big boot that we normally see him use as a transitional move to get the first fall. The second fall is just a ro- roll up, but that final fall is if we're talking about sprints. This is a thirteen minute match. It's it's so exciting. Yeah, and I think. I think Eric Rowan is actually really great in a tag team. I don't like him as a singles wrestler. I think his his weaknesses get really overexposed. But in these matches where he can come in and I think he's got a pretty nice like spinning leg lariat, his power moves like the superplex to the two guys off the top. And being with a veteran like Brody Lee, who also works that big but athletic man style, I think really brought the best out of Rowan and... I thought as a tag team, they they often had some really fantastic matches. We're not going to talk about it today, but uh, they had some good matches against the New Day more recently towards the end of uh, Brody's run. Yeah, Bludgeon Brothers, Mm. which they go into. But yeah, I I think he's a great tag team wrestler, obviously, but he clearly has it on his own. Like he he can be a singles person. Yeah, Harper. Yeah, Uh, I know. Well, first, like getting off that match. I I like that match a lot, but I definitely would say maybe like around like a 3.75, four stars, something like that. I I really love this match, mainly for that final four. I went 4.25. It's not on the level of the... The Shield match, but yeah. I think it's a, a banger of a match. Yeah. Uh, Meltzer gave it a four, cage match an 8.21. So Harper was in like tag team and then there was what, some injuries between the two of them? I know they had a few of Eric it's, Rowan and Luke Harper, but... It's that whole WWE thing of one guy gets injured, so the other guy has to go off the shelf. And I'm pretty sure it was Rowan who picked up the injury, so... Harper, knowing he's going to be off, decided to get elbow surgery. But then Rowan recovered from his injury before Harper recovered from elbow surgery. And that's when he got the, like, 
sommelier or the vintner gimmick. Oh, remember that? Oh my god! Tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs. Oh my god! Against Big so Show bad. and Rowan got a bit of a push. Harper got a bit of a singles run as well. He had the IC title run. So a year later, in 2015, he was in the Mania ladder match. He was in the Mania ladder match, which we talked to on. Uh, was was it our best? Ladder match, TLC matches. I can't remember. We've remember. talked about that match on a yeah, best match ever. Yeah. Um, he also had his his singles run. He had the IC Championship. He took on Dolph Ziggler uh, at I think it was a TLC pay per view yeah. in a really really entertaining ladder match actually for the IC title. Um, joined the Authority for Team Authority at Survivor Series about when that. your favorite wrestler Sting made his WWE yes. debut. I was at the the Royal Rumble where the the Wyatt's take out Brock Lesnar. So then they they were going to go with Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, but they didn't go with that. So they put on like a roadblock special where it's I think it was Bray and Luke Harper against Brock and he fucking crashed That's them. right. Yeah. Really 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 weird. Uh, I don't know if there was injuries or anything involved there, but they they stalled that storyline there. Um but yeah, he he would go on to continue. He he'd be uh Tag team champs with Randy Orton. Yeah, and this is another one of those points where you go, "Oh, this this could be this could be Harper's breakout." Yeah, um, and it was early on in the brand split, the latest brand split. Um, Randy Orton joined the Wyatts. Luke Harper didn't quite trust him being in there. They had a mini feud. They had a pretty decent match. Um, there was that battle royal that I think AJ was meant to win, but everyone saw that. AJ's feet hit the mat before Harper and they had a bit of a match together. So you saw him, them kind of going, they always went half in on him, which I think's a shame because you're never going to completely let that guy flourish yeah. if you're only half trusting them. And I, I think that's what we saw in his singles run for most of his career in WWE, unfortunately. He was IC champ for a little yeah. while, I think. And yeah, and it, it's it's like, uh, like I said, when I look at him, I'm like, man, there's definitely like a character in there where you could be a top guy where I look at like people who he's like, what, six, five or something like that. Big, big, tall guy with with these stats like this, you'd you'd be like, hey, you should be feuding or be put in a prominent role as such like The Undertaker. It's like I keep I keep thinking of The Undertaker because The Undertaker does like dives and, and stuff, but so does so does Luke Harper and he does like suicidas and, and crazy stuff, even though he's still big and like kind of stoic. But, um, I, I, I looking back on his WWE run, you could see why this guy got frustrated and oh, why 100%. he kind of was like, Hey, it's not even so much to, to me. It sounds almost like how you mentioned that Bray Wyatt story where it's like, it's not so much we care about being champions and stuff, but to be used right and to actually just wrestle and have matches. Like, I don't want to be in these like six minute tag team matches all the time. I want to be having actual matches when you know you've got it in you yeah i think i think also this guy just wanted to wrestle yeah um i think he'd have he i think he believed in himself enough to be a big singles guy but i think he'd have been happy to have been wrestling regularly in the tag division or at an icy level or something but to just be he wasn't used for almost a year which and he was healthy for a lot of that time which is so disappointing and that kind of brings us towards the end of his WWE career, where we're going to talk about what he called his his sort of WrestleMania moment. Like he had, he was in WrestleMania. He's in, he's been he in WrestleManias, but but in 2019, he'd have been he'd been off the shelf for a long time, and 
if you've ever been to uh, a WrestleMania weekend, they have access. Um, and during access, they have all these just random matches Shows. that you can walk up to and watch. If you've got a ticket to access, you can go up and watch these matches. And Luke Harper was scheduled to have his return match against Dominic Dijakovic in one of these matches that was going to get filmed for the network at Worlds Collide. And I'm trying to find this uh, this tweets that he put out that Brody that Luke Harper put out, but it was basically saying, um, kind of yes, I've been frustrated. I've I haven't been used. I'd love to be on WrestleMania, but I treat this match like it's my WrestleMania main event. Yeah. Um, Dijakovic, I'm going to give you everything I've got for this match. Uh, I hope you bring it too. Let's tear the house down. Like just clearly someone who missed wrestling was just going to be sure. I don't care if this is in front of one person. We are going to tear this up. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what they did. It's, it's kind of another one. I know we've talked about it uh, maybe a year or so ago when it happened. It's this worlds collide thing where they, they basically were like, Oh, it's Dijak who's in NXT at the time versus Harper, who was main roster, but not really anywhere realistically. So they had that match and it's kind of another one of these hidden gems uh, on the network. If you want to go back and find that one, if you haven't watched it, um, it's interesting because he, he kind of goes watching that. I remember watching that and go, Oh yeah, you could be doing this. What else. I, what I loved is I would say of all the <laughs> matches we're talking about and actually every match I've ever seen of him, this might be the one match where Luke Harper, Brody Lee is a baby face. With Dijak? Yeah. Yeah. He comes out and there are welcome back chants. This is 4th of April, 2019, Worlds Collide. He comes out, there are chants of welcome back. I think, I think this match did get a lot of buzz. And I think people going to Access did want to check this out, mainly because of that letter, that open letter Harper put out. Yeah. And Harper just looks happy. He kind of looks semi out of character. Like you see, it's a genuine smile rather than his evil smile. And he's, he's a bit cleaner. He's got a way of like that sweaty shirt. It's more of the black shirt now. Oh, he cleaned his shirt. He looks a bit more, uh, toned, I yeah. think here as well. Yeah. Clearly has been getting into shape for this. Dijak does his kind of time to fly suplex where he just launches him, which again, we've seen Dijak in all these big lads wrestling. And this is big lads wrestling. Definitely. He hits it again to Harper. Harper comes back with a spike DDT. There's a huge forearm and sent on Atomico from Harper. Dijak goes for his chokeslam bomb off the second rope, which looks great. They're now fighting on the apron and oh, Harper. This is nuts. Remember, this is access. <laughs> this is access. Harper hits a scoop slam to Dijak. No, 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 Off brother. the apron it's to the floor. It's a Michinoku driver. This is a Michinoku <laughs> driver. He sits out and dumps him Pretty off. Much, yeah. yeah, this is nuts. I think he does this to Mustafa Ali in the Battle Royal. Yeah. The, the, like the Michinoku, next night yeah. at WrestleMania. Crazy. This is crazy. And kind of catches Dijak a little bit on the apron on the way down as well. Nuts. Um, Dijak just makes it into the ring in time before the 10 count. We then get that half Nelson suplex from Harper for a two. Harper then hits a suicide dive to the outside. The discus lariat is blocked and he gets a kick from Dijak. We get a super kick from Harper, a cyclone boot from Dijak, and then a German suplex off the top rope from Harper. But Dijak lands on his feet like the Seth Rollins spot yeah. that we talked about earlier, but a guy twice the size 
crazy. Dijak comes back with the super kick and then a Fosbury flop to the outside, followed by a springboard elbow drop and the moonsault. And then Dijak grabs Harper by the beard, picking him up. He's delivering these forearms and these slaps. But Harper ducks, spins around, discus Lariat out of nowhere. And Luke Harper pins Dominic Dijakovic in 11 minutes, 55 seconds. And after the match, they have the sign of respect, the, the handshake, the hug. Um, I kind of feel Harper achieved what he wanted to go out and achieve here. Um, I think he proved to fans in this convention center that he's good. You know? <laughs> this this little center outside WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy that he was like, you know what? Fuck everything. I just want to fucking wrestle. That's what I want to do. And that's what he went out and did. And it's kind of poetic. Uh, this would be, what, the last time we see him in WWE until he disappears? He's, he showed up in that battle royal. He shows up in the battle royal. And then he comes back from a tornado tag partnering Rowan against uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. Okay. And then does the crown jewel. And get stranded in Saudi. Oh my god. Um, and I believe that uh, the Crown Jewel match is his last WWE Wow, match. okay. Um, but the, the tag match is good. It's not on the level of the others. Um, but the tag match against um, Brian and Roman yeah. is pretty good. Uh, but this match is, is, again, a great sprint. Yeah, and a hidden like gem. 13 mi- 11 minutes and it's, it's a really great match. Uh, and you see, you watch this and you would go, yeah, dude, if there's other places that would have, like, at this point, AEW wasn't fully a thing. They're going to be a thing. And we knew it was coming and we knew something was up with other companies and there's New Japan and stuff. And everyone was just like, dude, go wrestle. Go do it. Go wrestle. And that's what he's going to go do. Watching this, I'm like, oh, I'd have liked you in NXT yeah, to have a like proper this? singles run in NXT. I mean? yeah. Mixing it up with Dijak, Keith Lee, Damian Priest those big guys and having being a veteran being able to offer a bit more to them um yeah so just a shame misused what would you have given this match uh yeah i've only watched it once before when we talked about it uh, on a up next probably a year and a half or two ago but uh i don't know i'd say like a four like it's it's good it's also weird because of where it is and the circumstances and everything yeah i mean the nature of access people are getting up and moving around they don't care leaving but and- some of the people are like oh shit this is crazy yeah. especially that michinoku driver that's fucking nutty uh yeah i'd give it like a, a four like it's definitely not it's something that i ha- you would i ha- i do recommend people watching so i can't say it's like the, the the best ever though no I, I went 3.75 yeah uh, cage match it's a 7.06 and that brings us to the end of his wwe run but obviously he had two very well-known matches in aew yeah i mean he's had a few matches in aew whether it be some tags uh he's the exalted one mr Brody lee and he runs the Dark Order. We thought it would be Matt Hardy, but it's Brody. And he's this new menacing face who kind of acts like Vince McMahon, even though he denied it and said mm-hmm. uh, it's just uh, old mafia movies is what he said. Yeah. But, you know, it could be. Anyway, so he kind of goes into this character. And then the whole BTE thing with him with the papers and being Mr. Brody Lee in the suits. And he kind of goes into his own character. And I wasn't too hot on that character. But then it definitely they realized what was working and what wasn't and it kind of drifted away from it. And when they did do that and when it came to the actual wrestling and like, uh, what, like ferociousness, aggression that comes out of him when he wrestled and 
you saw it. You're like, oh, this guy should have been doing this shit a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I, I think it, at first, I think the Vince parody um, wore thin pretty quick. Yeah. But then after just a month or two, you felt like he played this character forever, right? And it wasn't until you go back and watch these other matches and go, oh, no, you were the... You were the scary hillbilly yeah. man. And I loved the kind of suited up, even when he comes to the ring, his robe is kind of like a a nice like sports robe he comes out in, but he's still got the wildness of the beard and the scary eyes that you know there's a, it's like a, a monster, this demon posing as this suit. Uh, and just the way he talks, just showing that he's got a promo in him and he's intelligent. I think he... He really filled out that character and made it so three-dimensional in such a short space of time. And again, in such short space of time, made himself a main eventer. Definitely. Whereas there are other guys you can see making the leap and you're going, eh, am I really buying this guy in this role at this point? Or is Brody Lee, I think, fitted in there with the likes of Cody and Moxley? Yeah, no, I I think so. I think he found a, a proper groove, and that's what makes this like all more like emotional for us wrestling fans. Is he's we saw like the evolution. What his mindset was was you know that classic Cody Rhodes thing: bet on yourself. And then he did, and he's finally clicking. And then he's and I think gone. Well, I it, it's so unfortunate because you feel he still wasn't at the peak. Sure, he was getting there. Like yeah. he was getting there, and he'd kind of convinced us all that. No, I'm a main eventer, and I could have seen this guy as a a champion yeah. down the like either another TNT title run or the champion down right. the line. Um, so he's had a few matches in AEW, but uh, I know we're going to talk about pretty much two of them. Yeah, I think honorable mentions would go to the Orange Cassidy match on TV, oh, yeah. and actually the Dustin match I really enjoyed right. on TV yeah. as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll go to his first main event. John Moxley at AEW Double or Nothing. Which I don't think it was actually the main event. They they bill it <laughs> as the first of two main events. Yes. This is the first arena main yeah. event yeah. before it's the, the video. It's true. He also came into AEW when there was no crowd. Yeah. The crowd reaction would have been insane. I think so. Yeah. In Rochester as well. Yeah. Remember they had it all scheduled out for Rochester and it was going to be his return. Mm. That would have been insane. And apparently they were saying, hey, we can hold this off because obviously no one knew how long this pandemic was going to go on for right. we can hold it off and have you re-debut and he was like are you kidding I haven't wrestled for yeah, ages I want to fucking wrestle I'm, I'm coming to work I want to work I'm baby. ready yeah 23rd of May 2020 Daly's Place Jacksonville Florida um, and the story going into this is uh, Mr. Brody Lee has just been terrorizing Moxley along with the Dark Order and he stole the AEW championship and we have this great visual I hope they do this more of the security dividing the ring mm -hmm. and Brody comes with the AEW title around his waist and both as they're doing the announcements are either side of the ring with the security in the middle and Brody's just staring a hole through Mox but Mox dives in right away with a flying knee sending Brody to the outside follows up with a tope suicida but Brody catches him with a suplex on the floor it's just balls to the wall right away uh, there's a suplex to Mox onto the barricade. A Gotch-style pile driver from Mox very early in the match. Crazy. But uh, Brody kicks out. Brody tries to powerbomb Mox 
off the steps through a table, but Mox backdrops him through it, sending him crashing through this announce table. We then get a superplex from Brody, but it gets reversed into a pinfall. Then they're battling on the outside again, and part of the, the set for Double, of no- Double or Nothing are these kind of wooden playing cards, and Brody hits his half-Nelson release suplex to Mox. Like a chip? Head first, just through these cards. Oh, it's a card, it's yeah. It's the cards yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. We then get a big boot and a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count from Brody, and now they're fighting with the poker chips, these giant <laughs> poker chips on the outside, throwing them at Brody's head. And that's when we get the paradigm shift off the entranceway, through the stage, going crashing down, and Brody Lee emerges just leaking from the head, Ugh. bleeding everywhere. They're back in the ring, and Mox hits the paradigm shift, but Brody kicks out at one. What? So Mox starts elbowing Brody in the head. He's biting him, hits a second paradigm shift. One, two, Brody Lee kicks out. So John Moxley applies the bulldog choke. He wraps his leg around one of Brody's legs. He's squeezing away, and Brody Lee passes out, giving Moxley the win in 15 minutes, 30 seconds. Damn. Yeah, it's a it's a war here. This These two just beat the hell out of each other. They fought in those matches with six guys in the Shield versus the, the Wyatts, but years later... Oh, we... We've even talked about it on this show, and I completely forget that they've already fought because their characters are so different. They're so reinvented at this point. Don't you forget Moxley was Dean Ambrose? I literally talked about it about yeah. half an hour ago, Crazy. and I've completely forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. They've both these guys just yeah. elevated themselves so much. This was a fun match to watch, and it's it's very violent. John Moxley's very stone cold, brawly kind of rabid dog, and then you have Brody Lee, who's not what, what would be an equivalent of a bigger, scarier dog. That's more like he, like you said, he's calm and subdued, but then he has those times where he's not, and that's when he's kind of that's why he's scary with his eyes and his intensity. Uh, I think these two could have, could have fought even a few more times. Down down the line considering the history with the tag teams and stuff but what a fight i'm glad i rewatched this one because i i think at the time i was a bit lower on this right, match yeah. um but watching back again it's it's not particularly long it, it's 15 minutes doesn't outstay its welcome at all but it's the whole thing's non-stop with these great spots the paradigm shift through the stage um the kick out of one from the paradigm yeah. shift in the ring they give brody a lot and having him pass out rather than tap out is a way of like saving him like protecting him but also making mox look like a badass um i think he completely came into his own character uh with this match and it didn't hurt him that he lost it really not at all not at all he He goes on to win against cody very shortly after. yeah he 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 basically is like oh i didn't win the world title i better go after the tnt title that's pretty much yeah. what he does. Uh, I, I like this match a lot. It, it, ha- it has like like all the brutal spots and the you know he's blading and fighting all over the place. It's it's what I said. It's a fight, and I'd give it maybe like a four star rating, four point two five, something around there. I, I'm the same as you. I went four stars. Uh, Meltzer went four point two five. Yeah, and Cage Match went eight point one two. But it's but it's good. It's like Moxley kind of needed it in this in at this point uh this is what the summertime i think or uh august yeah yeah yeah. so it was it was fun when i watched the first time and and still hold up when i watched the second time now we recorded a show earlier today of uh for aw 
and we were talking about best moments of 2020. I think we forgot to mention Brody Lee just destroying Cody in a couple of minutes to win the TNT title. Right, let's, um, yeah. Brock Lesnar, John Cena at SummerSlam style. Yeah. Just a shocking moment that I don't think anyone really saw coming. Cody is this guy that's booked himself to look like the king of the, sorry, the prince of pro wrestling as his name mm. is. And he had this TNT title, like, Turn, not tournament, but the open invitational where he fought so many people. We saw new characters being brought into AEW and that's how, WWE fired people. AEW gave people jobs and opportunities in the pandemic. And we saw Cody with this TNT tournament, or sorry, I keep saying tournament, but invitational. And then he, he's the champion. He made him, he, he couldn't win the world title. So he made his own TNT title and he's, he, he's the TNT champion. He's and the guy. I, and I think we all bought because these matches were great. These yeah. TNT title defenses. I think we all bought this being kind of a, a pretty long term thing to yeah. get people in and, and get sort of your AEW dark talent, a big spotlight and stuff like that. But that squash. I think really solidified Brody Lee as that main eventer. The image of him standing tall with the Dark Order at the end, I felt it was the first time we really looked at the Dark Order and bought them as this faction. Cause I remember so many people were like, ah, oh, you need to, you need to can this Dark Order thing. It's not working. Right. And the image at the end of that dynamite with Brody standing tall with the title with all the Dark Order there. Brandy taken out, yeah. Dustin taken out, Cody stretched out. You go, yeah, this is a legit yeah. force with was, this main event leader. From what we've been like programmed is Cody is the guy here. He's Triple H here. He's the, he runs the show. Look at his entrance. And then this guy comes in and steamrollers him and his whole unit takes over here. That it definitely was a, a, a highlight where you're like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. That was crazy. What the fuck happens? And then Cody takes a little backseat goes dyes his hair goes films a show and was it the go big show maybe maybe go big show. i think he has blonde hair in that though but cody disappears for a while and and now we're, it's like it was shaken up everything was shook up but they gotta fight again they do they gotta have a rematch and what kind of rematch will it be how do you top the first fight let's put a dog collar round our necks oh. and attach it to a 16 foot chain Jesus. Yeah. yeah, this is nuts. Uh, we talked about this, this on, on, on our best of AEW kind of chat on our up next show this week, but this is the next match and the last match we'll talk about here today, which is Cody Rhodes versus Mr. Brody Lee in a dog collar match. And it was on TV. On TV. For free. With PNP. Yes. Restaurant quality. Restaurant quality PNP. We, we've watched a few dog collar matches because of other best, ma- we did a Starcade one of these yep. shows not too long ago and we talked about the match that they kind of mentioned in this match because Greg the Hammer Valentine's chilling in the, the rafters here. Um, looking like he's half asleep, but he's yeah. still there. Um, looking like he's just thinking of bad political takes. He, he was mad. He just saw a women's match. And he's like, like, women wrestling? What? Why am I bought here yeah, watching yeah, this? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, uh, you you kind of told me that there was a story maybe Brody Lee explained with the dog collars. It, it was on um, it was on the Jericho podcast, The Tribute show, okay. where he's interviewing all different people. And I can't remember who it was he talked to. It was either Arn Anderson or maybe Cody himself. And they were saying about Brody just went and watched all these classic classic dog collar matches to try and figure out what to do and what to learn and and basically said didn't say they were shit but, but kind of said 
yeah, we can do better than this. They're like, dated. There's more we can do with this gimmick. They're very dated because yes. we went and watched that that a few of these old ones, and like, yeah, they're violent and like innovative for their time. But yeah, just like movies and media, like things move on and things get a little dated. So the upgrade of this match in 2020, two guys wrapping a chain to each other around their next dog collars is sounds pretty violent, and it is. We've seen the leather strap matches, and strap matches can be cool like i don't want to be whipped across the back with a leather strap but i certainly don't want to be whipped across the back with a chain <laughs> that's tied around my neck that's the thing. i think that's the scariest it's part neck. it's around your neck and i it's always neck spots that make me cringe like i think as any fa- uh, wrestling yeah. fan a lot of us fantasize about being a wrestler or whatever and then i think uh my neck i don't want i don't want anyone oh. kind of Doing shit to my neck. Wow. Um, Sounds scary. It does. And wrapping this chain around it, uh, quite a gimmick. And something I think AEW are great at is bringing back what's old and making it new. Yeah, definitely. Cody Rhodes is such a wrestling nerd. When he talks and he clearly watches and absorbs everything that's ever happened in the world of pro wrestling. He literally knows everything that's happened. He, he studies old school American wrestling, Japanese wrestling. He literally tries to soak in everything. So yeah, I feel like he tries to mix the old school with the new school. And that's clearly something Brody Lee does as well. Talking about all these matches that we just did. He, mm. he, he, he meshes well with like, he's big, but he's, doing some of the old school heel stuff and then doing topes and shit. You're like, whoa, you're doing a mix of both. Best of both worlds, both of these guys. Uh, I can't wait to talk about this match. Well, let's get into it. This is Brody Lee versus Cody Rhodes in a dog collar match for the TNT Championship, AEW Dynamite, 7th of October, 2020, Daly's Place, Jacksonville, Florida. Now, Brody comes to the ring, not with the full Dark Order, but he's got Anna Jay and John Silver. We see, as you mentioned, Greg Valentine in attendance. Uh, right away, Cody knocks Silver off the apron using the chain. And John Silver's the first to blade in this <laughs> John Silver's bleeding. John Silver's busted open on the floor. Uh, Cody then uh, gets dropped on the back early. And he's cut up pretty soon uh, from the chain. He goes to the top rope Cody cutter, but Brody yanks the chain down, pulling him to the mat. Brody then slams Cody face first onto the apron and then grabs a steel chair, puts it down and keeps Silver in there because I think he's worried Silver's going to fuck things up for him. <laughs> he's like, he's like Stop. you sit down and you stay here. But Cody runs and just nails Silver with a dropkick. This oh. poor guy. He he's, just wants to support his friend. He's trying to help his friend out, and then uh, Brody sees Cody running at him, so he moves out of the way, and therefore Cody just fucking nails Silver out of the chair again with his running dropkick. Poor Insane. guy. We then get uh, Brody kind of holds the chain tight and just jabs it to the throat of Cody, followed by a DDT onto the chain. Uh, Brody starts wrapping the chain around Cody's face, and we, we've seen this picture a lot of times in yeah. images now of... Cody just screaming with blood pouring down his face and the chain wrapped around. So many great images from this match. Just violence. (laughs) Um, They're running the ropes and Cody slides between the legs of Brody and pulls the chain up so it's kind of wrapped around his groin and then turns it into my favourite move. The side Russian leg sweep. Would this be a side side chain Russian leg sweep? Side Russian chain sweep. Chain side chain Russian. Yeah. We'll work on it. Yeah. But with the chain, I know you marked out. With the chain, absolutely. Uh, Brody then tries to drag Cody to the outside, but as he yanks him, 
Cody turns it into a tope suicida. Looked very cool. Brody then grabs the announce table and sets it up by the apron. And Cody then drags Brody off the apron into a cutter to the floor. This is nuts. It's nuts. He uses the... That's what I like in this match, that they're being really innovative with the chain is wrapped around and they got to be safe, obviously. But whenever Cody's like trying to do something and Brody pulls it so he flies down, it's the same. But now Cody's like, oh, I can do that to you too. So pulls him and in midair catches him with like a cutter, the RKO kind of thing. It's It's pretty crazy. Now, are you ready for some restaurant quality picture in picture? Yo, we were trying to remember <laughs> what it was in one of these crazy ta- multi tag matches where they go to picture in picture and it's like the Young Bucks hit a Canadian destroyer onto everyone to the outside. Yeah. And it's like, what this was during picture in picture? This has maybe even a crazier picture in picture spot, which is during picture in picture. Like we rewatched this today and during picture picture, while the commercials are airing, you just see them fighting on the apron. There's a table set up and you're like, okay, they're going to come back from commercial for this spot. They're, they're not coming back. From, what's Cody doing? What's he doing? Wait a second. This, we're not even back from commercial yet. As Cody does a package pile driver off the apron, sending both of them crashing through a table. First of all, I've never seen Cody hit a package pile driver anyway. Fuck. Does he just do it during the commercials all it's the time? Fucking sick. While everyone else is doing a side headlock, he just meta. puts out a, a package, package pile, pile driver, driver and he hits it through the table. Now they do replay this when you come back, but yeah, this is a TV match. Doing it, they show the it like three, four times because they're like, uh, I don't know if you just saw this, but he did a fucking package. Nuts. This is, so Cody's already like bleeding. He clearly bladed. You know, Cody loves to blade, but then when when Brody arises from this dust of table debris all over him. He is now has this whole crimson mask. He is bloody. And again, oh, he's his, leaking. His eyes are already always tell this scary story, but now it's the eyes, the beard, all covered in blood. And it's like, holy shit, we got to fight, boys. And you see Cody kind of go to this other place because he's now whipping Brody with the chain across the back. He strings Brody up against the ring post, like wraps it around the post and is just pulling it. Looks so painful, but Brody starts to come back, and just like Stan Hansen to Terry Funk, he drags the chain over the top rope, so Cody's on the outside and is just being hanged, just strung up. Stan Hansen, Terry Funk. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. this is exactly what that is. It's totally that match from Japan we watched in the Terry Funk, or Stan, was it both? We did both Uh, best match ever for both those guys. I think that was the Stan Hansen one. We did a Stan Hansen one with John Pollock, and I, I was horrified at him hanging Terry Funk that we went on and did a best match ever yeah, Terry, Terry Funk because we needed so. to see or him. Or it was the other way around. Yeah, it's remember. just violent. But that's totally what they're doing here. 100%. Uh, I love this. This is nasty. Brody is, you can see his frustration and just picks up a steel chair and launches it like a frisbee at Arn Anderson on the outside. Holy. This is like, this is a Brock Lesnar ripping a car, car door off, right? Um, Arn Anderson's like, what the fuck? Come down, dude. I actually like Arn Anderson. Look, he looks and he's like, what the Brody fuck? Serious? So he goes into the ring and he's about to get into Brody's face. <laughs> and Alex Reynolds runs out. Arn turns around and hits still a sweet looking spine buster. It's a double A spine buster. Yeah, look great. But then Brody nails Arn with the chain oh. right between the eyes. But Cody comes back and starts wrapping the chain around Brody. He's punching Brody, whipping Brody. He climbs to the top rope. Remember, Cody Rhodes has a a chain wrapped around his neck here and he hits a top rope moonsault 
Insane. Yeah. Followed by the crossroads, but Brody kicks out at one. He like hooks up. He's like starts to like freak out. With the blood pouring down, his scary eyes, his scary teeth. Cody goes for the vertebraker, but Brody slips out, is almost tangled up by the chain with his legs, but manages to hit two super kicks to Cody, followed by the power bomb. He sets Cody up for the superplex. He hits the superplex. He hits a release dragon suplex what the fuck was this this was like the half and half but dragon suplex just overhead throwing cody here with With the the chain with (laughs) chains they're chained together it's insane he then signals for the discus lariat but cody ducks and hits dustin's final cut a suplex spinning kind of brain buster type thing. thing yeah but with the chain again yeah and this is where he now wraps the chain across brody lee's mouth Across his nose, across his eyes, oh. he's pulling back. The visual here is incredible. This is this is such a visual where he's screaming and the chain is literally in his mouth, tied against his face, squishing his nose and his teeth, and Cody's just being vicious with it. And Cody's raining down with elbows into the open cut in Fuck. the head of Brody Lee. He then sets him up and hits the crossroads with the chain and one, two, Three, Cody Rhodes defeats Mr. Brody Lee for the tag, sorry, the TNT <laughs> title. He regained the TNT title that was his. He got his revenge on Brody Lee here in what a war. 20 minutes, 26 seconds. Uh, what a match. Um, the, the crossroads at the end, it looks so great, but you can also, I, I kind of respect how you see how protected it is. Um, Cody and Brody are so tight next to each other to not allow anything to go wrong with this chain. Brody kind of wraps his arms around the torso of Cody as it's hit. Um, So it looks fantastic, but also looks safe, which I kind of respect because these matches are Imagine trying to do these moves with chains and stuff. Like, it's got to be so scary. They had to practice and make sure they don't get slipped up by the chains. The only time there was a real slip up is where Brody actually makes it part of the match where he like super kicks and slips and Cody's like, I got hit, but I'm not totally rocked. And he's like, fuck it. I'll just hit you again with another super kick. But it's crazy that they wrestled a whole match being violent. Like this is a heavy chain actually getting whipped across their backs and choking them and stuff. Like obviously there's ways around it to make it look more scary than it actually is, but very impressive of how none of these guys like get super fucked up from this match, but wow. Uh, watching it back. This is, I think the second time watching it. And I know we did an up next, uh, AEW show covering it. And me of you were after watching this, we were like, holy shit, this is like shortlist for match of the year because yeah. uh, violence wise, this is, has everything. It had chains. It had a fucking package pile driver. Sorry, a PP. During PP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Package pile driver during picture in picture, which I still can't get over. I think watching that back today, I kind of forgot about that. This is, has everything in, in, like we said, mixing the old school wrestling with the classic blood and the chain and the, the, the violence meets like the new school with like some new cool moves and mixed with some of the hardcore stuff. And I think it's, I think it's a work of art, this match. I think it's brilliant. And I mean, it's, it's so hard to say, but if you're going to go out, on a match. What a great match to go out. This is Brody this Lee's is Brody final, Lee's match. final match. And it's, it's sensational. It's really, really good. And I think it's, it's finally that he, he'd been putting in good mat work. He, his match against Moxley was good. He'd had good TV matches. 
But this was the match that I think solidified him as a main eventer who can put on top quality matches for this company and really finally reached the potential that we all knew he was capable of. Yeah, definitely. This was on the Chris Jericho, like, 30 years thing. And instead of making this the main event, they made the Jericho-Luther oh, match. Oh, same match. Yeah. The main event. Right. Just saying. Completely yeah. with you. Yeah. Uh, kind of fucked that up, in my opinion. This was a main event for the ages. It was during the middle of the show, but it was banger. It was probably one of the best TV matches they had this year. Or over any show. Any shows this year. What would you give this match? I, I remember saying that this could be in our best match ever 2020 show. And I didn't... I saw people picked it and people were talking about it but it didn't make our shortlist for that show that we did part one and two of top 10 matches voted by you but i honestly it kept coming to mind when thinking of best matches i'd instantly say 4.75 but watching it back knowing what we know now that this is the dude's last match like the the thing of calling rating matches you can say something is like a five star but you go, it's a five-star classic. To me, this is a classic. So if I want to be, you know, kind of the devil's advocate here, it's a 4.75 match. The dude is dead. This is a five-star classic that will always be remembered to people. Hey, that one time Cody Rhodes fought Brody Lee. Rest in peace, Brody Lee. But this match is crazy. It literally has everything. I watching it back today. I still we're still screaming at some of the spots yeah. and stuff. But it's it's so incredible. I love that uh, elimination chamber tag match between the Shield and the Wyatts, and I was super high on that rating. But watching this, and this is a, sh- a show about Brody Lee. This is his best match ever. And it's his last match. It is uh, a masterpiece. Okay. Um, I went 4.5 with this. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Um, it's... Uh, m- maybe it's... I, I tend to... I don't tend to give five stars to, like, the more violent type matches. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have, I have. But, Me too. Um, this, maybe on a pay-per-view without commercial breaks and stuff like that, might push it up a little bit for me. Uh, but it's 4.5, which it's fucking good match. Yeah. You know? Like storytelling. Great. Um, it's, as I said, to go out on a match like this, um, I, I completely understand what you're saying. You kind of, it's sensationalized, not sensationalizes it. I don't, not quite sure what the right word is, but storytelling, the storytelling of kind of the emotion of this being his final match can yeah. definitely make you, maybe glorify when i watched it the first time is definitely like i'm like oh this is like a 4.75 this is like a high this is one of my favorite matches not maybe the best tv match they've put on Mm. this year considering the pay-per-view matches are some crazy ones we've seen but of course watching back now with 2021 eyes with maybe a week or two removed from the from him passing it makes it even more so emotional and then you go it's his last match like yeah that's how i feel like i'm not uh I'm not an Ultimate Warrior fan, right? But it feels the equivalent of Warrior's speech. You know, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, Coming yeah. out on Raw, doing that speech, talking about living forever and your legacy will live on, and all that, and then sadly passing away. This kind of feels like that. It's finally everything coming together, showing what a great monster heel you are, showing that you can work, showing that you can tell a story uh, and put on a main event caliber performance. And then going out on that, it's it, unfortunately it happens way too much in the world of professional wrestling. Um, 
it, it is it's beautiful it's a piece of art as you said it's a classic like when you look back you'll you can look back and you can show non-wrestling fans this match and they lose their mind because they think it's so violent mm. with the chain stuff but it has the actual storytelling element of wrestling and like you, we kind of went into depth of how he beat cody for the title and the story of this storyline but yeah it's 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 great you could watch this in 10 years and still be super into this match i think so yeah um Meltzer also gave it a 4.5 Cage match and 8.5. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this match. And going through all like the stuff, again, he's put on so many matches, Brody Lee. And it showed that he he bet on himself. He wanted to, to prove. He wanted to just wrestle. And then now looking at all the tributes coming out with all these wrestlers and them telling stories of like how he, he helps buy people gear and helps people and watches people's matches and does all this stuff to help younger talent. It's like, yeah, this guy just actually cared about the business and, and wanted to make the business m- m- needle move instead of just sitting at home collecting paychecks like that was of course he's a family man and he made his money in wwe but he actually gave a shit about other people and 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 tried to make wrestling business yeah he wanted to help the business and this this match adds to that that legacy that he has i i feel like going out on this match uh, as his last match is is yeah it's history um but looking at back at all these matches he's done is is pretty incredible some guy from rochester who looks like some southern hillbilly is it what they called him yeah. in the wyatts <laughs> but in fact not uh it's it's impressive and uh he will be truly missed in the world of pro wrestling now i think my my favorite brody lee match is my best match ever is shield versus wyatt yeah. at elimination chamber but as far as singles matches go, where it's it's Brody shining the whole time, yeah. not having five other guys, I'm with you. It's this one. So I'm I kind, agree. I'm kind of for the first time going to give it to both because they're I like that elimination chamber match is actually one of my favorite matches on rewatch. It's so so good. It is, and I do prefer it to the dog collar match. But there's other. It's kind of like saying TLC two is Edge's best match. You know, right, it's right. like Edge has had other great matches exactly. as a solo uh artist <laughs> but um so yeah i i'm gonna give it joint to both yeah both. and that and Fuck that's it. it's my show i can do what i want yeah just like just like me giving crazy ratings because i feel like it i'm allowed to <laughs> fuck it uh yeah the dude is gone rest in peace to Brody lee but i i, I love that tag match and going into this i was like oh it's easily the the dog collar but that tag match definitely sucked me in there where i was like oh this is some good shit why didn't they capitalize on that at that WrestleMania, looking back now, right? I know. Would have, I know. He could have been making money in WWE, and he he bet on himself. He went to AEW, and unfortunately, passing at uh, a pretty young age, and uh, it's very unfortunate. But uh, forty one years old that's that's wild. But he's made his mark on wrestling, and uh, you see, he he won't be forgotten. And the TNT title, the red strap, has been. Uh, put in the history books for him. His his family, AEW, says that they're going to be all right. They're going to be taken care of, and uh, and you love to see you love to see that support from like the wrestling world. Uh, I said before that like we not w- w- this guy wasn't like your your Rock or your John Cena and stuff, but he was a mid card guy in WWE. But he was there for so long, and someone like me as a wrestling fan. You, you've watched someone for so long that you've, you've welcomed into your home that is essentially like a character that week by week you're watching. You're, it's part of your life, whether you kind of realize it or not. And then the fact that he was an active wrestler still really is, is what kind of shocks and hurts people. Cause it's one thing to be like, Hey, this guy passed away at an age of 80 something. It's like, well, 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 yeah, he wasn't wrestling anymore and who, you know, health and stuff. And I'm not saying that that's disregarded and stuff, but the fact that this guy is, 
a family man, 41, still wrestling on TV, it, it, it hurt. I think it's, I, I mean, we, we've talked about him here as both a, a mid-carder and a main eventer. And I think, I think as fans, we kind of forget the importance of a mid-card as well. You can't, you can't just have your main events. You need that, those characters to fill out a full card. And you see it with WWE. Like, I mean, even lower card, the importance of say, might be a weird comparison, but first person to come to my head. And our truth, he's had his position in that company for like two decades now, you know, and sure, he's not a John Cena. He's not a Roman Reigns. He's not a rock, but he's valuable. And it's important to kind of look a bit deeper than maybe as fans we normally do and see exactly why they're valuable and what it is that they bring to the table. And I think Brody Lee is someone who, as a mid carder, brought a lot to the table and then right at the end of his career proved that he can bring a lot to the table as a main eventer well that's what we thought i see one piece of feedback here that i'll go into okay for, yeah, go for uh, it. this show and it's by andrew from cape breton who says brody for me scratches a nostalgia itch especially when going back to watch his old stuff what i noticed the most is throughout his entire career he's mostly a heater or tag team wrestler in shikara he was part of the trio with colin delaney and jimmy olsen and later with eddie kingston and grizzly redwood to add another Brody Lee story to the mix, Brody is the reason Colin got a shot in WWE. He was backstage at an event as an extra, and he was he and the others were asked about the small guy they could use in an enhancement match, and Brody called Colin as soon as he could and got him this gig. Colin Delaney's post-WWE interviews is where I heard this story about Brody Lee and how he would go do the backyard wrestling with kids despite the fact he was several years older than everyone else. So clearly he was like always friendly guy making friends he continues he always seemed to be the guy giving out to everyone and rarely took the spotlight for himself i think that's why i was so happy to see him get that squash match win over cody there's so many talented people brody included that if you just gave him or her that opportunity they could run with it imagine if they did that to retribution for example how much more menacing they would be if they just squashed someone important people may laugh but that was the dark order before brody if brody was able to to say beat the undertaker in three minutes He's potentially a WrestleMania main event talent. He doesn't have to beat The Undertaker again, but it's made man for sure from that point on. Um, yeah, that's what we're saying. Like, he could have done those exactly. things. Exactly. It's, it's kind of what, again, what we were saying earlier about putting Goldberg in that match. It's sometimes you just need to pull a trigger. And sometimes pulling the trigger is just beat your top guy, beat Cody in a couple of minutes. Andrew finishes with, it was great though that a tag team wrestler and a heater for others was finally able to get a chance to shine and I was glad he finally was able to prove that he could be a top guy if given the chance. Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely. Well put there, friend. Said it very, very well. Well, he will be missed. Uh, Brody Lee, 41 years of age. Rest in peace. Uh, go buy a Pro Wrestling Tees. They, all the proceeds of Brody Lee's shirts and merch will be going towards his family. I know Punk and Foley were doing similar things with their stuff. Uh, but AEW and Negative One seem to have some sort of contract agreement. Absolutely, So yeah. we'll be seeing Negative One in the ring. Maybe 16 years or something. He's <laughs> – how old is he? He's – I don't remember. Seven, now. eight, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe not as long as that. Monday? I don't know. He hit, he hit MJF with that kendo shot pretty Did good. Did you see him take on Liv Morgan? Yeah. Your favorite? <laughs> and Adam he Cole. Did the, he did the fake out DDT. And Adam Cole, and too. Adam Cole, yeah, he yeah. beat up Adam Cole, too. Beat up former champions. He's on fire. He, he's the first one who's taken a shot at WWE. Yeah. A proper shot. <laughs> he's taken out the longest reigning NXT champion Crazy. and documentary of the year star Liv Morgan. <laughs> 
exactly, exactly. Well, I, I only wish the the best for his family and hope they're they're doing okay in this crazy hard time because I could only imagine. And I'm kind of grateful we've got that was next show because we're going to be able to look at more of this guy's career and more matches I've never seen before. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to this, go go out of your way and and what rewatch some of these matches, watch some of these for the first time because we've lost an incredible talent recently and uh the wrestling community is such a tight community and i feel unfortunately things like sad passings away like this really do bring us together and it's it's really nice to go back and and kind of rediscover someone's art that definitely they, they gave their life for he did um, so rest in pre rest in peace Brody lee yes rest in power yeah 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 um I, I, I love looking back at all these matches and some of them were some great hidden gems this guy definitely delivered. Uh, this was fun going back and talking. If you like any of the best matches, go check out our Patreon because we do all these other shows up there including Best Match Ever and all that stuff and at Up Next Podcast, Twitter, Instagram for all the updates and all the schedules of all the shows if you liked what you heard here today but we thought we'd just do this for to, to pay our respects to the man, the myth, the legend of Mr. Brody Lee. Rest in peace, Jonathan Huber, Luke Harper, Brody Lee, uh, you will be missed. Um, so thank you for listening, and uh, we hope you uh, uh, enjoyed us talking about this guy here today. And we'll be back. We got some AEW shows in the near future, NXT, all that stuff, but you know where to find it. So uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't end the show without saying this. For I'll say it one time since we're in Toronto here for, for Mr. Brody Lee, but uh, go Leafs, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-on bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIO, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIO. Whether it's Kroger Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Kroger has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.